Happy President's Day, everybody! <laughs> Aloha! Did you see that our president, he buzzed the Daytona 500 yesterday. Yeah, and uh, apparently he also took a, what, a, a lap in his uh, limo, the Beast? Is that taking liberties with the with the office, or would, or would you do that? Uh, oh, yeah, anything to, to rile up the fan base. <laughs> the right. People were cheering. People were cheering. Uh, you know, he's got he's got some supporters, you know? Yeah. Depending on what bubble you read. I don't know. People were into it, though. He knows, he knows, um... He's a good, he's a, he's a good, he, he knows how to play the narrative. He, he knows, does. He's a good um, showman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were talking about, uh, we talked about melatonin last week. I don't know if we did it on air, but we talked beforehand. I started, I started taking melatonin to help me sleep. But one thing that it does is it makes you have these really vivid, vivid dreams. And I dreamed last night that I was actually on Air Force One with Trump. Except at wow. the same time, like one of those cognitive dissonance things happened where I was also going to Freight Waves Live. Chicago, and then like wow. I woke up because it was like Man. this doesn't make sense. He let that left an impression. What, what that, you, that event? Yeah, apparently. The, well, I mean, not only the Freight Waves Live event, but the uh, Daytona flyover. Uh, yeah. Oh, so, by the uh, way, Philip Stewart. He yeah. says, uh, "Hi guys, hey Philip Stewart. We got the comments up, up uh, over here on uh, on LinkedIn. I think Chad's monitoring." The Facebook. Yeah. Let us know what is happening and where you're from. Like to hear from you in the comments sections. Uh, yeah. So, uh, well, where, where are we? Uh, we were talking about your dreams. Um, then you woke up to the reality show of your life, Tim Dooner. Yes. And it's pretty exciting to be a part of it. Is it? I'm just getting yeah. up the YouTube comments over here for the people. Okay. For the people. Okay. We yeah. have actually, we have a great show today. Yeah. I know it's a holiday, but we don't take holidays off around here. We no. work right through them. We have a show lined up. We have attorney Heather Devine. She's going to talk to us about hostage caca. Hostage cargo. <laughs> hostage cargo. <laughs> the well, hostage cargo. The yep, one that you've just seen. your reality show. We're all living yes. in a dooner. Hostage uh, cargo. Yep. We'll talk to a cancer survivor, trucker, mm-hmm. owner, operator, Ingrid Brown, about her incredible journey. She'll be on the line, too. That's exciting She's stuff. She's been through a lot. We're going to talk about something we've touched on a lot, but the wire cutter just put out this big report about Amazon's counterfeit goods epidemic. It's good to get updated on that. That's for sure. Some great headlines. But first, Dooner, you know what time it is? Time to pay those bills. That's right. This, <laughs> there's the money shaker. This episode is brought to you by Redwood Logistics, a leading logistics platform company whose diverse solutions portfolio includes digital freight brokerage, flexible freight management, and innovative platform services that simplify the integration of disparate supply chain technology. Redwood connects its diverse roster of customers to the power of supply chain management technology and the industry's brightest minds. For more information, connect with us at Tell em, Chad. RedwoodLogistics.com. Boom. All right, what's up in the news? Ooh, this is a bad one. A trucker was shot by a security guard at a truck stop over a parking spot. Another thing we talk about all the time, that truck parking epidemic. Right, Chad? Yeah, it's, uh, what, number three right now in all of the driver's top However many concerns they have. Well, it might be up to number two after this one. The trucking industry's tensions over adequate parking can be seen as a backdrop to this incident that happened Friday in Oklahoma that left a truck driver in the hospital. Fortunately, he survived, but he was shot by a security guard at a truck stop. According to several local reports, the incident took place at a TA truck center in Oklahoma City. 
near the intersection of South Council Road and Interstate 40. The shooting occurred in a section of the truck stop with reverse truck parking. Sergeant Brad Gilmore of the Oklahoma City Police Department, quoted by several local news outlets, described the incident as occurring when the security guard for the truck stop was checking the reserved spots. Apparently, the security guard was out there checking that when a disagreement happened, Gilmore was quoted as saying a physical altercation took place. The security guard discharged his firearm. It's very formal language about Mm. how it all went down. The driver, who was not identified in the news stories, was taken to a local hospital. Charges were not filed against the security guard, though Gilmore indicated evidence could be presented to the local district attorney who could then pursue further action. Yeah, the report of the shooting was from a local television station. KWTV quoted a truck driver on the scene. His name was Jimmy Combs. He said that uh, his comments sort of summed up what truck drivers are seeing every day. He said that's a pretty severe force when you're taking somebody down for parking in somebody's parking spot. Combs was quoted as saying, most of the time, long-haul truck drivers are tired. They're running 8, 10, 12 hours, and when they want to go to sleep, they go to sleep. You wake them up. I mean, if I got woke up, I'm kind of in a bad mood. T- yeah, took the right? gun right to him, man. I, th- who knows the incident, like how what all happened there? But yeah, remember we just mentioned it. The uh, last year's annual survey and the biggest issues facing trucking from uh, a tree, the American Trucking Associations. There, the drivers put parking is number three. A year earlier, it was second. Uh, in 2018, management listed parking as the ninth biggest concern and the most recent one. It didn't even make the top ten. So management, are you listening? Mm. So, uh, in other news, capacity crunch is coming, says top trucking executives. A new capacity crunch is coming to the industry very soon, and that is a very good thing for rates and an industry that is struggling with an overcapacity situation. That is one of the takeaways from a conversation on Thursday with Joey Hogan, president and COO of Covenant Transport at the ACT Research Seminar 62 conference in Columbus, Indiana. Hogan was joined by Kevin Birch, president of Jet Express, as the duo discussed a range of topics from the economy to safety with Tim DeNoyer, president, vice president and senior analyst of ACT Research. Yeah, Hogan had this to say. From a capacity standpoint I, standpoint, I can paint a picture that it's going to get really bad in April in the middle of May. To illustrate, he pointed to the timing of the coronavirus that shut down factories in China right after Chinese New Year's. We've talked about this quite a bit because there is, uh, Kevin Hill was on last week. We were talking about how there's going to be an artificial peak season because all these yeah. factories are being shut down. Uh, ships are sailing out with only 10% of their goods in them. So we're going to see this glut of, of goods come over here. In the short term, it's going to hurt everybody, though. This was also a topic that came up at the Stiefel Conference in Miami. What they were talking about there, though, instead of rates, was mostly yield. And that was maximizing the usage of of their own vehicles, their own fleets, which seems like something you should be doing anyway, that optimization. But it seems like a lot of times these executives don't really they don't really think about these kind of things until they have to. Right. Yeah. So that'll be a positive. I mean, there there it was a wide ranging conversation, and they they even turned to topics of like their 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 you know frustration with insurance rates. Yeah. Uh, it, as Hogan said, insurance is a disaster. It's a bloody disaster. And shippers out there, we need your help. He said, carriers can't afford twenty five k a truck, which is what some carriers are getting quoted. They can't afford twenty five k. Some trucks only make twenty five k a year. 
Yep, and Dylan Bradley says, uh, thank you guys. I appreciate all the info you've been giving me. He's been in logistics for uh, you know a few months now, and we've taught him a lot. Well, happy to bring yeah, it. Happy to bring it to you. Uh, executives also touched on marijuana usage and how it's going to lead to more positive drug tests with with there already being more drug tests, the 50% now, and then the drug and alcohol clearinghouse, it's going yeah. to, it could cause some problems. They were concerned about uh, the FMCSA's proposal that would introduce sleeper birth flexibility. They were hoping that that went through because a lot of people tend to blame ELDs, but the real problem seems to be the regulation, HOS. right? Yep. Yeah, and then um, that was really it. They were talking about just hours of service, really, or what concerned them. Uh, White House has formed a a China trade deal watchdog office. So we all know the phase one trade deal went in. One of the things we touched on, I believe, last week or in one of our Corona episode uh, was coronavirus episodes was that um, the this might impact the amount of goods that we can buy from China. A big part of this trade deal is that we have to they have to buy X amount from us. Right. So we're hoping this trade deal right. doesn't fall through because the virus people understand that, uh, you know, cooler heads prevail here. But the White House has initiated a new office to ensure that China sticks to its commitments under the phase one trade deal reached between the U.S. and China back January 15th, about a month ago. The office, which will be administered by the Office of the U.S. Trade Representative, will also work with China's Bilateral Evaluation and Dispute Resolution Office to address disputes that arise over the trade deal's implementation. So uh, this seems like a positive step. Right. Deputy U.S. Trade Representative Jeffrey Garish has has been appointed by the Trump administration to lead the new office. Chapter 7 of the U.S.-China Phase 1 Economic and Trade Agreement. You might not have known there were that many chapters. There's at least seven. It called for transparent implementation of the agreement and a specific means to allow the two parties to resolve disputes in a, quote, fair and expeditious manner. Yeah, they're, they're like most government things. Hopefully it doesn't take forever here. It says the dispute resolution process should take no more than 90 days. Hope they stick to that. I bet it takes a long time to read through the document. The Jan 15 trade deal committed China to purchasing more than 200 billion in U.S. goods, which includes 50 billion in, fa- in farm products, 75 billion in manufactured goods, 50 billion in energy commodities and 40 to 50 billion in services. And again, I hope the coronavirus doesn't doesn't throw any any wrenches on there. Obviously, you hope people don't get sick. I, and, and I think there are from that. But yeah, right. Uh, I think that there are clauses that you know uh, what the force majeure and the acts of God could get them off the hook in some of the cases. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe. All right, let's uh, let's call out to Heather Divine now. Okay. Five count of five. Five two minutes. Let's see here. So Heather Divine, she is a partner with Alexander Holborn LLP. Hey Heather, you there? No, it's still oh. waiting for it to dial. Oh, okay. Uh, it says calling home. Let's try one more time. Here we go. Little technical difficulty. Yeah. So she's a, it's all good. She's a uh, a motorcycle rider. Yeah. Uh, big she's fan also of that. she's a partner at Canadian law firm Alexander Holburn. And- hey Heather. Heather. How's it going? Hi, oh, how's hey, it going? how's it going? Perfect. So um, we were just introducing you. We're Heather Devine. You are, uh, some people have called you the Cassandra Gaines of Canada. <laughs> oh, that's so flattering. That's a lot to live up to. <laughs> sure is. Right. You know what? But she has her own sure style. Is. She has her own verve. Cassandra's very punk rock. But uh, Heather, not to be outdone, is a, a motorcycle ride. What's your steel horse of favor? Well, I used to ride at Triumph Daytona 675 and uh, had a bit of a crash on it and thought, you know what, I'm going to go to a lower uh, a lower power bike and then uh, change and perfect myself. So right now I'm riding a Kawasaki Ninja 400, but I don't break in the turn, so that's why I love it. 
Well, you also mentioned that you uh, you're learning a what you might be learning a precise aerobatic move while flying. What you do that evil as well? Kind of evil. <laughs> yeah. So actually, I started flying first, and I still love flying the most. But it's tough, you know, when you're so busy with your job and travel to, to fly. But um, yeah, I started uh, doing some aerobatic training in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, precision stuff like barrel rolls and uh, mm-hmm. in a wow. special SQA. Well, yeah, cool. certainly <laughs> like Cassandra, then you are not risk averse. Mm. Yes. Uh, well, so tell us about hostage cargo. Well, what? you know, hostage cargo is really tricky. It, it, and it, it can be heartbreaking because, you know, you get that call in the middle of the night or the day and it's like, hey, someone won't let me get at my cargo. Whether you're a shipper or you're a broker, you can't get access to it because they're holding it hostage for some reason. Usually non-payment, right? Right. That makes sense. Okay. So you so help just, them. Well, I was going to ask her about uh, Heinemann. So there was just a news story out here that this company, Triangle, they they put out that they wanted, they were going to repossess Celadon gear and, and give you money for it and Celadon equipment. Um, Heinemann up in Canada. Have you encountered anything, any groups like that trying to repossess vehicles illegally and trying to hold things hostage in that manner? No, I haven't. Although, frankly, I'd love to, but um, no, no, I haven't. But it would be the same concept, right? Where they're saying, look, I haven't been paid. I'm owed a debt. So I have the ability to either seize or in, or in the cases of hostage cargo, it's usually in their possession. And they're like, I'm not going to release it to the ultimate destination until, until you get to your payment. So no to your first one, but uh, it's the same concept. And in and, and a sense, too, I mean... You know, it, Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, well, I just you, you sure. mentioned a couple of times in your bio that one of the things that you uh, apply to you know some of the your cases and what you're working with is creativity. And I'm you know you want you have experience. You're a seasoned legal counsel, but you also need creativity in some of these uh, situations. Like, what, how does your cre- how do you have to use some creative problem solving skills? Well, I'll tell you. So when you're a junior lawyer up and you sit in your office and you read the rules and it's all black and white, you say, okay, if there's a rule, I got to follow it. Or if there's a rule, I got to fight for it. Right. But as you get a little bit more seasoned, you realize that by talking to people, sometimes you can say, look, I know you're, I know you're keeping this, this cargo hostage and obviously you want to get paid. But if my client can't pay you right now, is there something else I can do? Can I open up the drawer on the right? Uh, so, for example, I had a case, uh, I have a case up in Canada right now for a very large broker, and we were in hard-fought litigation, and I started finding out more about the business of the other side, and I said, hey, you know, instead of fighting, maybe you guys should be making a deal. Maybe there's some markets you can get access to, and so actually they're going to be uh, sending their salespeople up here to Canada to see if they can create a deal instead of fighting. To me, that's better in the long run. Hey, one of the things that we're going to be talking about after this segment is a report that Wirecutter put out and something we talk about a lot on here is counterfeits in e-commerce, uh, especially insofar as Amazon goes. What do people, what legalities do your customers have to worry about when dealing with e-commerce right now? Well, I think counterfeit is a huge, is a huge issue because, you know, you've you got to make sure you get what you think you've, you've bought, right? And so that's a problem. The, the other issue we have right now up in Canada that I find is very interesting is product liability. And so if you get a defective product in e-commerce, what do you do with it? And uh, who's responsible? 
So, for example, in Amazon, I was told that the business model in the United States is, hey, we're just like a penny saver newspaper. We don't take any responsibility for, and this is very generic. This is, this is an explanation I was told. We don't take any responsibility for the products because the products are sold through us like we're a newspaper, but it doesn't work that way up in Canada. If you, if you buy something from a store, you believe that it's been placed in a store and the store stands behind it. The same commerce concept with e-commerce. So whatever it is that you're buying online as a consumer, if there's a defect, you're going to go after both the platform that sold it to you and maybe even the, the, you know, the ultimate supplier. But who's easier to get and who's got the bigger name? So those are the kinds of things that I see up in Canada. So how does Amazon protect themselves from something like that up in Canada? Because in the U.S., I mean, it, it, they say that they're putting $400 million into it. They say that they're doing this, but it seems like counterfeits are only going up. And, and companies like Nike and Birkenstock are recognizing this and pulling goods from Amazon because of uh, just how many third-party sellers in there and how they can just game the system. How do they protect themselves up in Canada? I don't represent Amazon, but I think what I uh, would do is I, I would put together a, a protocol for them and I would say, look, you know, we've got to start from day one where you're doing verification of the goods uh, and working together with the people who actually hold the licenses. I have a bit of a background in intellectual property. And what you can do is you can actually set up a series of verification steps so it really wouldn't take that much time. And you'd be verifying that everyone down that chain of, of e-commerce actually has a registered license agreement to sell those goods. You do a little verification like that, and you're going to eliminate the people who don't have a registered license. I mean, they might fake it, but uh, they can't fake registration because that's something you can independently check on a database. Yeah. Well, certainly that that would help making another hurdle and e-commerce and those issues are certainly what is trending in the supply chain. What What is, though, one of the things that you are hearing, Heather? Like, what are your clients' greatest concerns here at the top of a brand new decade? I'll tell you right now. It's, uh, I mean, when I started the new year, they were asking, Heather, you know, we're concerned that it's a bit of a soft market. We wish it was 2018. But the big concern that I'm getting uh, daily, whether I'm representing shippers, carriers, or brokers, is I'm having contracts canceled because the parties can't perform because of coronavirus. What does that mean? So, for example, six, six uh, shipments of live lobsters are sitting out on the East Coast because Chinese New, New, Lunar New Year and all the shutdowns, they don't want the lobster. So it's like, well, now what? What do I do? Right? Yeah. So that's the biggest concern. Yeah. Or maybe there's a small part in the manufacturing supply chain on demand that's being manufactured in China but it's not coming. Uh, you guys had an excellent segment not too long ago on, on some of the delays, you know, 20, 30, 30 days. But now what I'm seeing for my clients now is, hey, Heather, I can't get this part. I can't perform. What's going to happen to me? I want to perform. I want to do what I agreed to in my contract, but I can't. What kind of damages are, am I looking at? Where is this going to go? Yeah, and the unfortunate thing is right that th- those types of damages are usually custom relationships at first because – uh, it, it's a new thing, right? It's a new situation. People getting impacted by this coronavirus. So, you know, I've been on the import side and I've dealt with with chippers. And when things don't show up on time, they get upset and sometimes they look for new partners. And that can be very risky to a business, especially one that's trying to be risk averse. Hey, um, Heather, how do people reach out and learn more about you? Uh, I'm, I'm on the Alexander Holborn website. Uh, uh, so you can find me there. You can reach out to me directly at hdivine at ahbl.ca. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, so 
I'm pretty accessible. But uh, yeah, this is great. Thanks for getting me to think about some stuff I haven't thought about before. Thank well, you so much for joining us on yeah, air. Thanks for educating us and thanks for um, spreading the word. And we look forward to uh, talking to you again. Good stuff. Yeah. Very, very interesting. I love talking to these legal types, too, because they always have to look at all these situations in supply chain from a different lens than than we do. Right. Yeah. From it's like um, four dimensional chess almost. Yeah. Of the, the various parts. All right. All right, so we've talked about we've talked about Amazon all the time, and I've thrown shade at them for those Ray Bans I've mentioned to you in the past that I got on Prime Day, where I windexed them once and the Ray Ban wiped right off. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, these, the why so terrible? So you've been you've been um, you've been a victim of counterfeiting. I have, I have, and there's a site called the Wirecutter who's done these investigative reports on. Amazon counterfeit fake products is becoming almost an epidemic. The Department of Homeland Security recently put out a PDF about how all of these uh, these third party sellers are able to mask their goods and game the search engines on sites like Amazon and who the responsibility lies with. But one of the reasons is that Amazon has listed thousands of banned, unsafe or mislabeled products. And now this becomes really scary and really sketchy when you're talking about things like uh like supplements, right, Chad, or or um, or high chairs or uh, car seats. People put on their face. Yeah, that right? Kylie Jenner lip balm with the um, super glue in it. You know, uh, it it is. It's uh, it's a fascinating thing. That is, uh, it's a real problem. I think what I think as I looked at the uh, the article, three point three percent of the global world trade is attributed to counterfeiting. Yeah. So that's that's massive in scale. And yes, and now third party sellers on Amazon, it's it's gone from fifty percent, it's crossed the threshold. It's now fifty-four percent of all of their sales. Uh and that is up what from like in the past two decades, it went from three percent to fifty-four percent. And Jeff Bezos is like it's it's remarkable what's happened. Well, CNBC found that Amazon had shipped even expired foods like and this gets really scary, yeah. especially for parents. They, they shipped expired baby formula, for example. Um, and as Heather alluded to, you know, it's almost like the penny saver. It's like, well, we are just the we're just a storefront that facilitates anything. But if you went into a regular store, when you go into your Walmart or your Target, you don't expect that that Clorox wipes to be counterfeit. You expect those to be legitimate Clorox wipes. Or if you buy uh, an antacid or Pepto-Bismol, you expect that to be legitimate Pepto-Bismol. But on Amazon, <laughs> this can be completely relabeled yeah. stuff, and they don't have the same liability that Walmart would if you bought something like that off their shelves. Yeah, it's an evolving situation. They're they're responsible in certain ways. I, they're not yet in this in this legal way. But I, I want to say, like, it seems like Amazon is certainly a major target here. But apparently, eBay, who's just like a oh, little yeah. bit, they're not doing anything. But I think people expect and, it a little bit more on eBay. And uh, Alibaba, they're not well, doing anything. Yeah. So, but so, but what are so we're easily frustrated by Amazon, and and it is getting. This is the, to me as a consumer the disturbing part is it's you can't just say oh I'm going to look for the misspellings or the bad reviews because you can fake the reviews. Oh yeah, and they're getting really good at making the things look exactly the same. So, well, and that becomes a big problem when you're talking about like a car seat or something where they're putting fake or the airplane seat was one of the products that was targeted here is uh, they're putting fake FAA certificates and those kind of things on the seat. So parents think that 
that they're safer than they are. Michael Vince yeah. is like leering at us over there. Uh, he's got some <laughs> he time to wait. go. I know. He, he said can't to wait me. to he's, get on. I know. He wants to face me that bad. Uh, Nike, Birkenstock, Pop Socks, Ikea, they've all pulled from Amazon. So they're striking back in their own way. They're not letting third-party sellers sell them. They're not letting their products even be listed i had to get a uh, north face vest for put that coffee down as part of my uh, my uniform because it's a corporate uniform so i have to i have to wear the vest i bought it directly from the north face i didn't go to amazon for that yeah so that may be one of the ways in which i'm referring to that amazon will be liable they know that they're going to lose traffic and therefore probably revenue you mentioned though earlier in our in our, just in our interview that they are spending uh they have spent in uh what what is they've spent 400 million on tools built on machine learning yeah. and data science to protect their you know us consumers from fraud and abuse and those things are kind of interesting this is what they're trying to do so far they they've done a brand they've this thing called brand registry which is a trademark and copyright protection system they've done what they call transparency which is a system that uses qr codes to track individual units they've done project zero which gives invited brands um the uh, that are already a part of brand registry the ability to take down listings from sellers of counterfeits They've um, also got an intellectual property accelerator and a utility patent neutral evaluator. Mm. In other words, you don't have to go through a lengthy and expensive legal process if uh, you want to. I mean, look, it, that's they, what they say. But Michael there's, Hirsch, there's holes in the argument or my, in what they can do, well, but they're helping. They're in, trying in action. I know you you love you love the corporate. You like companies like Nestle. You want to <laughs> no. support Amazon. But Michael Hirsch, vice no, president, I'm, I'm literally informing us about what is th- there at okay, their disposal. Okay, but this is what Wirecutter found out because they went on. Yeah. They were able to buy tons of fraudulent products, no problem. Michael Hirsch, vice president of Joseph Enterprises, he told Wirecutter that the process of getting fraudulent third-party sellers removed can take months. Uh, it can it involves painstakingly buying suspected fakes, proving it to Amazon, and then a lot of these are fly-by-night sellers that uh, are, are shipping from other countries and stuff. It's hard to prosecute oh, them. Man, they just yeah. go under new like, listings. Look, it is an insidious problem. There are these um, these these third-party sellers that are the counterfeiters are like chameleons, like chameleon trucking companies in which like if they're put out of business on a listing, they simply spring back up and, you know, slightly alter what they just did. Uh, And it's true overall, if you're an honest to goodness business person, uh, retailer, you've, you've, uh, what done everything right. You've created a good product. You're simply trying to have the distribution on Amazon and you're getting, you're getting, just, I would say nickel and dimed. I don't know if there's a better word. Like it's, that's gotta be discouraging. And well, I, I bet it's putting some people out of business. Here's some tips for the consumer, just some actionable things yeah. they can bring out to avoid fakes by choosing good vendors. You can do that. And it's not always easy on Amazon, but do it looking for the ones that have good reviews. Those can be faked. So the next thing to look for is you can't con an honest John. If a deal looks too good, it looks too like a real to be true. It's too good to be true. Don't get it. Yeah. Um, if you have been frauded, defrauded the wire wire cutter recommends some advice stop using the product a because it could be an iphone charger that could set your house on fire it could be expired baby formula dogs have gotten sick from this stuff kids have died with car seats so if you think that the thing is fake don't use it right um leave a negative review you can also file an a to z claim you can alert your credit card company you can write the seller you can write the brand and you can do what i did with my north face you can buy directly from From the the manufacturer. manufacturer who's our next guest chad Ingrid Brown. Let's spend five good minutes with her. She has a wonderful story, too, right? 
Yes, she is a fighter. Oh, what is? What do you think a ring deck turn is? Hello. Hi, Ingrid. Ingrid. Hi. <laughs> How's it going? Hi. Thank you so much uh, for wonderful. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. I gave you. I was going to hear your your ring back tone, but you answered so quickly. Unlike some of our wow. guests who give yeah. us like eight rings. Ingrid on the spot. I know. I even gave her some powerful music too. A little entrance thing. You know what? If you call me back really quick, you'll probably die laughing. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Well, it's not like we like the rings. That is just people like Jamin who leave us uh, hanging like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you know, heads Carolina, tells California. What can I tell you? Yeah. I don't Ingrid, know which end I'm usually at. Ingrid, you have, and uh, Clarissa Haas, one of our reporters here, she did an, an amazing article with you. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, though, for people who haven't read it or they're not familiar? Because you have a great story of a great journey, and I know that you're more than eager to tell people about it. Well, I am, and thank you for giving me the opportunity, and Clarissa, she's wonderful with this, is, you know, I've been in the industry for 40 years, and I'm a, you know, solo independent owner-operator, and uh, I had noticed back in 17 that I just kind of got really run down the first of the year, and and uh, I'm not one that really likes doctors, and, and I found a a brown spot and I thought well it's not a mole it's just an age spot because I'm getting older and uh it started getting bigger and so I went to a dermatologist and the dermatologist uh did a biopsy of it right there that day and uh he said you know uh, I really think this might be some type of skin cancer which there are three types of skin cancer uh and and I'll explain that in a second if that's okay and um I uh didn't hear anything for three or four days, and I jumped in the truck and left Michigan and was headed to Houston, and I uh, got a phone call, and it was the doctor, and he said, I really need you to come in the office now, and I said, uh, well, that's a little hard. I'm on my way to Houston, and I won't be back for about 10 days, and he said, no, you can't wait that long because your biopsy came back positive for melanoma cancer, and I said, oh, well, then I'll call you when I get back, and he said, Maybe you don't understand what I just told you. You have cancer, and it is a very rapid progressive if it's not taken care of pretty much immediately. And you and well, I you said, have to keep running, right? Because you are the sole owner of Roland B LLC. You haul refrigerated freight, and if your truck's not moving, you're not making money. That puts you in a precarious position, right? It did, very much so. Uh, I actually got back. I flew to Cancer Treatment Center, had surgery, and, of course, at this time, my, my truck's parked. Uh it's not turning, I'm not earning. Uh, you know, old cliche, but it's true. Uh, and there's nobody attached to it but me. So, um, you know, I did take time. I did that. I was actually back in the truck in two weeks. And um, then, I'll, you know, melanoma is the skin disease that, that our skin cancer that does, it kind of goes throughout your body. It's like if you spill a, a, a jar of BBs on the floor, they're going to go everywhere. And that's what happens is melanoma literally goes to your body and it just kind of decides to go everywhere and hide or come out or whatever. And uh, so I've had uh, this past Wednesday, uh, I had two more biopsies done, uh, one on my leg and one on my lip. Uh, And these all cure uh, stitches and stuff. I've had eight biopsies and surgeries and all. I did have uh, the base of my throat, base of my tongue and the bottom of my throat taken out uh, about not quite a third of it about a year and a half ago. 
I was back trucking wow. four weeks later. <laughs> that is. But I, I can't sit. I can't sit. You know, and and there's so many drivers out there. Get there's that so impression right, don't you, Chad? <laughs> yeah, she's gonna keep keep on rolling. And uh, but uh, well, so like, well, but let's back up a tiny bit and and tell us, Ingrid, just like, well, what are those three types of of cancer that you were gonna tell us about? Yeah, you have a basal cell, which is is like on the the topical skin. Um, you know, that's, that's one that, yeah, they do take off. They, they do that with, by freezing it, that kind of thing. And it doesn't spread. Then you have an, I, I, hillbilly language is squamish cell, uh, squamish cell. You can look it up. Okay. Anyway, that's one that goes a little further in the, in the dermis, in the epidermis. And, uh, it can spread to, to a local or nearby lymph node, uh, if it's not seen about over time. Um, and I have had some of that. Um, uh, them face, whatever. And then you have melanoma. Melanoma is one that, uh, there is quite a, quite a bit of it, of stage three, fours, and, uh, it's, it's a very high percentage of loss of life, uh, even with treatment. Uh, it's treated with immunotherapy when it gets into the melanoma stage. Immunotherapy is like chemotherapy. Um, it, Every two weeks, you go and have uh, infusions. Now they've moved that to once a month. Uh, my brother was diagnosed six months after I was, and he chose to go the route of the infusions because he's at home and he could go do those. I couldn't, I mean, I can't come out of my truck. I'm my sole provider. Yeah. So I chose to watch and wait. Watch and wait is something pops up. You go to the dermatologist, you go to the oncologist, and it's done with. It's gone. And you're, so those are three things. Yeah, you're uh, you're you're actually watching a, a lot now. You're getting lots of regular screenings. One of the things you're, I, I really, I love your story. You're also helping use your experience to to help educate others in the industry. And you 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 have a reason. Truckers should wear sunscreen. You know, it it's the left side, and if if. Over half of my majority of this has happened on my left side, but and the oh, just from the side. window, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. The 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 UV rays, of course, are even intensified through glass projection, mm. but you can also get it through the front. I also have a brown spot in my left eye oh. that I did not know till a little over a year ago when I went to get a glasses exam. Mm. And they found it. So now I go usually about every six weeks and they take a picture of it, measure it with the other and see if there's any change in it. The changes when you look for melanoma can be a mole, a brown spot, anything that has a change of color that's irregular in shape uh, that you put it and you cut. If you put your hand in the middle of it and each half is different uh, if it actually blisters up or it has a rise to it, um, any change there is, um, of anything, uh, and, and it's amazing. You would not believe the people that contacted me that said, Hey, I don't know, but I have found this after you realized that I thought it was an H spot too, or it was just a mole or whatever that. Even Steve Summers, I'm sure you know Steve. He was like Ingrid. I went to the doctor and got checked myself. And I'm like, this is way. This is how this happens. If somebody had not, if this hadn't happened to me, I'd have never known it. 
Yeah, Ingrid. I don't explain it to people. Yes, sir. Ingrid, I know you're doing a lot of advocacy about this stuff. Um, is there anywhere people can can go to reach you and learn more if they think that they may have, uh, you know, they've gotten too much sun driving in the cab or they might have something else going on? How do they reach out to get some more information out of you? Sure. I can provide them with those ABCs that they look for, and I can provide them with just that because, of course, I'm not medical. So yeah. don't ask me if that's what no. it is. You can reach <laughs> me. Uh, I have Facebook. I have Roland B., uh, as my as my company page. Uh, also, you can find me on Instagram, uh, whatever. But you can also, uh, I will be speaking about this at Matt's in Louisville this year oh, on the education floor. And uh, that'll be on Friday from 11 to 12. Uh, and that's an honor. But the thing is, guys, May is Melanoma Month. Most dermatologists do free checks for them, and there's several truck stops, if you look around, that they also bring in physician's assistants and doctors and PAs and that at drivers because it's so, I mean, there's, it is a huge, huge thing. With, with drivers. Well, wow. Ingrid, we uh, we're cheering for you. Yeah, we a know you're uh, for her. Yeah. And hopefully, those biopsies come back great. We'll yeah. have to follow up with you. Exactly. Make sure it comes through. Yeah. Like let let us know about your uh, your victories and challenges in the uh, in the days ahead. We appreciate you, you taking your time out great. today, Ingrid. Thank you. Have Thanks, a great, Ingrid. great day. God bless you. Wow, that was a uh, great great stuff. I, it was. Her, she has a great article as well. Go to freightwaves.com and read Clarissa Haw's story uh, about her triumph over skin cancer. Yes, it's a good article. And uh, now... I don't think a lot of truckers think to do that either, to put on the sunscreen before the... Uh, when they go driving. Maybe if they're going to lay out in the uh, parking lot. Market expert trivia. Market expert trivia. Well, now they will, hopefully. Market expert trivia. Now we have another game. What is this one called? Oh. Here come our market experts to play market expert trivia. All right. Wow. All right. And now. There's some vocals. Who's singing? Oh, that's, that's, that that's me, man. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Let's bring yeah. a little market expert trivia. Sweet. All right. <laughs> that's your buzzer. This is my buzzer. Yeah, let's get this. Let's Which one's my buzzer? That one. That, that right, one. But you got to wait until he finishes the question. They're multiple choice. Yes. Hey. <laughs> what is finishing the question? What, Listen what is the question or listing all the answers? <laughs> this is a game Whoa. of death. Uh, now he's got to list all the answers, right, Chad? Uh, yes. Uh, so what uh, we're going to do is we're taking uh, an infographic from Emily Ricks from, and it's uh, also was a part of. Hand over here. Oh, put that coffee yeah, down. The freight sales survey <laughs> infographic. So we did a survey. I believe Kevin Hill and the research team conducted a survey about uh, what sales teams and companies do. We've got five questions for for you guys. All right. There will be no tiebreakers. You just have to uh, win. Only knuckle breakers. On your... That's <laughs> right. Okay, are you ready? Question number one. What did respondents say were the most common methods for the sales team to build call lists or generate leads? Was it A, research from LinkedIn, B, prospect first from CRM, C, Google and Maps, or D, referrals? And it was A. I believe it was me first. I believe that it was, was me. First. It was A. It was A anyway. It was A. That is so hard to know when they're both doing it at the same time. <laughs> All right, that is correct. Forty-one percent said research from LinkedIn, but a close second was CRM at thirty-nine percent. Of course, what is CRM? Customer relationship management into the unknown. Into the unknown. 
All right, number two. What did respondents say were the most common methods for the company or marketing team to build call lists or generate leads? Was it A, existing leads? B, in-house team building qualifying leads? C, networking events? Or D, individual salesperson building qualifying leads? Yes. Individual salespeople. D. D is correct. All right, all right. D is in you are you not got in the one dog house. Did you just hold back on that to see if this old man could be? In this? fact, individual salespeople <laughs> was far ahead of the others at sixty six percent, with existing leads placing a distant second at forty one. Wow. Yes, it's true. And now number three, what percentage of respondents said their close ratio, close close ratio, was between six and ten percent? Was it A twenty percent, B thirteen percent? C, 10%, or D, 3%. Yes, Dooner was first that time. 3%. That is incorrect. What? God, it's 20. 20% is, is 20? correct. Yes, just study your infographic a little harder next time. The vast majority, 48%, said it was more around 5% was their close ratio. Yes, that makes sense. Yes, yes, yes. Um, four. What did respondents think is the most important key performance indicator for oh. the highest performing freight salespeople? Okay. Was it uh, A, prospecting, B, qualifying, C, close ratio, or D, retention? Oh, that was a tie. I don't know what to do. It was D. He's right. D is correct. <laughs> it is retention. I don't know what to do when it's a tie. It's uh, not like... Uh, we don't have a, a clear dinger on one way or the other. Mm. Anyway, uh, D is correct. Uh, maximizing the lifetime value of each new customer, <laughs> 23% said retention. Tied. Now it's tied 2 to 2. Close ratio yeah. at 20, 20%. Yes, it is tied at 2 to 2. Good you job, guys. You what, guys have. What's, you, what's, what's, what's bigger to you, retention or closing? Does that, uh, that surprise you? It, it does not surprise me. Yeah. Retention. I mean, it's cheaper to keep a, a customer than to get a new one. No, it so is. I, I really, I just, I, I think it's, you know, it, it is very, very important. Because you always upsell, you can penetrate and so on, an, a, a, an existing customer. Getting that new one is much more expensive, takes much more time. Yeah, and that's, bad customer service will just infuriate you. I've done Absolutely. sales and it'll, when someone just kills, it's like, it took me so long to build that. From prospect to getting the customer, the CAC there, it can be nuts, especially yeah. in freight sales. A or SaaS, or SaaS. Absolutely. What do you Absolutely. feel about cold calls? Were you ever, were you good at cold calls? I was good at it, but, um, it, you know, it... It's necessary, and some people are really, really good at it. I, yeah. I was, I was decent at it, decent enough, and I like it. Right, yeah. it's better to go into something that's at least lukewarm. But you know? it's the cold calls. There's still a place for it. Oh, absolutely, yeah. there is. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I still do it now. Yeah. <laughs> Every day. That's how I got on yeah. this program. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Chad. Well, <laughs> every time you talk to someone new, that's your cold call. Anyway, that's your cold call in life. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, you're absolutely that's right. That's, a, that's, that's the first a, impression people nice, have of you. That's a yeah. nice reframe, man. Yeah. That's a positive way of thinking yeah. about if you it. Think, is. Look, life gets... Like Kevin Hill and I were talking about this on radio, but if you... And not to be, like, fake with people, but if in terms of, like, people you're acquaintances with and in professional settings, if you think of everything as a sale and as closing and as your relationships as somewhat of a sales funnel... You don't have to take things so personally. You're always trying to be, you're always trying to come to a good resolution because the best salespeople are the ones who give people solutions, right? Yeah, absolutely They don't cause right. problems. You give people solutions. Yeah, that's right. You don't have you're to take things right. personally because you're not personally interacting and they're just I don't know. sales. <laughs> I get, I'm just, you're at work, right? You're professional okay. anyway. You can't take things too okay. personal. Well, that's true. Yeah. Okay. I think what but, he's trying to say is if you incorporate it into your personal life, yeah. it's, really, it's really just a it good thing to be doing. Uh, as a human yes, being indeed. in general. That's, what I, that's yeah. where I thought right. he was going. I mean, that's yeah. where he's going. It's yeah. Yeah. deeper than just making a sale. 
No, no, yeah, exactly. Because right? you know, the best, it's about creating solutions instead right. of creating problems for people. Nice yeah. peacemaker of you. Be, All right, be, let's be, see be. who's going to win this thing. It's hard to practice. All right. You just try. I'm just saying, just try. Just you try. always do it. Just try. <laughs> the closer you get to like the, the wife or the, close, the closest people you love, the harder it is to really have that separation, though. Right? Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Hard to make Absolutely. that close sometimes yeah. with, yeah. with your wife. All right, one to ten percent of respondents I'll renew that contract. <laughs> one to ten per- percent of retained. respondents said their sales team spent about nineteen percent of their time generating shipper leads for cold calls. The next level down, eleven to twenty percent of respondents said they spent about how much of their time generating shipper leads for cold calls? Was it A, seventeen? Was it B, fourteen percent? C, thirteen percent? Or D, four percent? Tuner C. C is incorrect, but oh, we're so close. <laughs> so C was what, 17%? It was 13. 13%. I think it's slightly above that. So, so what was, uh, I'm going to go with B. B, B was 14, right? 14%. I'm going to play the prices right and go wow. with $2,001. Nice job. <laughs> you beat the champ oh, at man. Market Am Expert own Trivia. Survey. Am I on survey? On, yeah. <laughs> Check out Great Forecasting Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern. 4 p.m. Eastern time. All right. Yeah. Thank, thank, you, right, thank you for joining us. Right on. Quite the Big slide. Thursdays at 4. Big All right. Hey, good job, man. Big thank you so deal. much, the dude. All right, now it is time to play Big Deal, Little Deal with Emily Zink. She is the head of the TV network, the content, and all the games around here. Yeah. She, is, she may on, not Big be deal. the game czar, but she's our game star, right? <laughs> this little game we call Big Deal, Little Deal. Oh, you know why I can't move this back? Because it won't go when you're playing a, a bump. Oh, there you it is. You can't move the bank back. Man, I think about just gave myself Big a concussion. Deal. What, have bangs for that? Yeah. yeah, that vapor music, vapor wave. Oh, All right. man. It's been fun. Are you going to have to have workers' comp now? <laughs> hey, thanks for giving me that idea. Oh. We'll, have to have a, we'll have to have an attorney on to tell us. Uh, oh, we got a few in the house. So. Oh, that's yes. true. Uh, well, I think I went first last time, as All I right. recall. So, Duner's turn? Yes. Okay. Sure. Well, data analytics of consumer buying patterns are driving a futuristic race that is dubbed yesterday's delivery. Mm. This is interesting. This is a concept of setting logistics in motion on products that have not yet been ordered, but will surely be ordered in the very near future. Yeah, this is what Hasbro should have done with uh, Baby Yoda toys, <laughs> yes. right? They didn't have them out by Christmas. Supposedly, it was to keep a secret. That seems like an expensive secret to keep. I don't know if I believe that story, a likely one. Um but isn't this the same thing as demand planning? Like, it's just like a lot of times I think that data companies like to come out and they're like, hey, they're just, it's just marketing, right? They're just <laughs> yeah. like remarketing demand planning. This is just using data to do better demand planning. So, yeah, I mean, it's a big deal because more companies should forecast better. So, isn't yeah, good. Yeah. What Amazon does where they tell you like the reorder or what is um, what's the function on Prime where. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, the subscribe and save? No, there, I think there's something else where it's like you've bought this before. You should, yeah, oh, or they're, just the they're past, algorithms, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, based on, yeah, and uh, the way that Vishnu framed this article that uh, is capacity needs a, a, of the capacity needs of long haul trucking and last mile are diverging faster than ever. Mm. I mean, that makes it seem like a big deal, but when I read the article, it's an overview of the market and kind of an overview of some of the changes and what's yeah. happening. 
Uh, so for that reason, I will probably say little deal. I mean, big, yeah, big things are happening in our industry and we're tracking data better than ever so that we can position the supplies at our manufacturing and warehouses better than ever. I mean, so. All right. Both of you said little deal? Kind of a. It's kind of I mean, a, I said it's a big deal that companies kind should of a, plan, demand yes. plan better. Okay. It's a micro deal, deal on a macro level. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, NFI sees explosive growth for its class eight electric truck fleet. Chad, is this a big deal or a little deal? Well, I mean, uh, it's a pretty interesting way that they're utilizing these, uh, these class eights uh, in drage. Uh, in a drayage context where you only have to go 100 miles. But some people are saying that really class six would be a better use of, of this, this size of a vehicle over the road long Why haul. are you so classist? And <laughs> um, well, it's because over the road, they, they're, they're not coming anytime soon for the battery. The battery technologies we've been talking about for the past two years ain't there. Good luck with that Tesla sim- semi. What? This is a it's li- coming. They're, and they're it's having to be them. and it's having to be subsidized by the government right now. So so, so little deal. No, it's a big little deal. Thing. It's a big deal. By the middle of the decade they say that uh they're going to half their fleet's gonna be electric. Yeah. That's pretty huge. And if you look at it, it's gonna I think in the short term it's gonna cause all these distortions in the auto market. And we're already seeing some of them start to happen, but as the shift goes for because companies are going to start they're not they're going to wait until some of this technology evolves, so they might hold on to their fleets a little bit longer. So I think the last huge round of buying already happened in 2018. And I think that a lot of companies are going to be like, well, I want I want this technology to mature. And then we're then our next round of fleets will be these electric oh, yeah. electric trucks. NFI is is saying that by the middle. So, yeah, good. Big deal. Well, you have to think of all. We'll the, yeah. The, all the states now have like California, all these regulations <laughs> that you have to follow and you can't be driving yeah. the same type of truck you used to drive. So I can yeah. see an uptick in this. Well, the coronavirus in China has not yet affected the import of auto parts from Mexico's automotive industry, but the industry in Mexico says it is ready to replace up to 80% of those Chinese imports if necessary. Big deal or little deal, Dooner? I believe that this is Chad's. No, I go first. All right. So Mexico audio. Yes. So we just talked about the auto industry, right? Um, The auto industry has been hurting in the United States. We've been seeing Mac with a whole bunch of layoffs and all of those things. And the last thing they needed was the coronavirus to impact this. And I always, I always feel a little bad, and I think that someone made a comment. Like they, they called itself for having to talk about the coronavirus in the context of trade, but we do have to remove ourselves from the human impact and the human element because this is having real-world financial impacts. Yeah. And uh, I right. think that this, is, again, is going to cost people jobs. It may not cause them respiratory infections, but it, it's going to cause them their, their livelihoods. And I think we're going to see this happen in Mexico, so it's good that they're preparing for this to happen. I would be a little bit nervous if I worked in a Mexican auto plant right now. Yeah, but the good the good thing is in this article is they said they're ready to replace those Chinese imports yeah. with Canadian no, in the United good. States. And that's that's, good. that's, and that's the, good news. As bad as the coronavirus is, yeah. they know where they're gonna source it from and it could right. be and it did rep- it represented a large part, rep fourteen point five percent of their of their total uh what imports were uh you know were from Mexican automotive that that sector but they are adjusting as you said and also to date imports of components and auto parts mostly electronics from China have not stopped so i have to like take this story like it, where we're at right now so it's a little deal in that for all that's happened the supply has not stopped yet are you going to wash them uh, for a minute uh, I, if I received something, I would because <laughs> oh, of the information that we've wow, learned yeah, here. 
at What the Truck, right? Where we're learning something new each and every day. And that's a big yeah, That was our good news, bad news on Friday. The, there was an article that had said that don't be concerned if you order, like an, if you overnight some computer parts or something from China that you'll get the coronavirus because all you have to do is sanitize and wash them for a minute. And I was like, Can't wash I never open minute. like something I buy and wash it. I just don't no. like clothes I do, yeah. but I don't. Not a like they can virus. live on inanimate objects for up to nine days. Well, SARS and MERS can. It didn't say the coronavirus could. Oh, I thought coronavirus well, they are, could. Those, burning, are, those are versions of They're it, burning yeah. money. Any money that would come from a factory someone would pay with at a hospital, anything like that, they are burning money in China right now. Wow. So I guess, guess it could live on a lot of stuff. Well, speaking of the coronavirus in China, Chinese shipping executives say sailings are being canceled or moved at as little as 10% capacity. So these ships that are coming over here about... 10% full, some of them? Mm. Yeah, this is a big yes. deal. It is what is happening right now. This may be the biggest deal of our big deal, little deals. Uh, it is uh, going to, I think that it's starting to stretch out longer and longer. Yes, when it, but instead of us like now maybe being bullish on the latter half of the year, who knows what is going to happen? There will be real losses, it looks like. And the container industry is showing it. They, uh, they can move more than 20,000 containers, and uh, they only had 2,000 full containers leave Northern Europe. Uh, I just uh, I, I see uh, some serious bad stuff happening right here. Yeah, I mean, 10% capacity is not even covering the cost of fuel. Uh, I mean, the one impact the coronavirus had, at least bunker fuel, has been cheaper. So I guess that's a positive. Uh, what's this going to do, though, is going to cause an artificial peak season. So they're moving these ships right now. And the steamship lines have already kind of been hurting. They built too much capacity out. They've been blanking a lot of sailings. And now they can't move a ton of cargo because of all these shutdowns. But I think that the good news out of all of this will be in April and May when there's all of this cargo to move. They're going to see a big uptick and they'll probably be able to get to pass through some of those GRIs. And they'll be able to leverage the market a little bit better if you're out there, I don't know, rooting for Maersk for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And for whenever we can, it'll time out and actually really start to happen. Well, you know? and then think about now, for us with trucking and capacity, yeah. then you're going to need more trucks to move this stuff at a certain time of the year. So everything will play into. Yeah. But in the short factors. term, it's like, like Chad mentioned, it's going to make, um, you know, at least the beginning of March, uh, the rest of February, it's especially for drayage and yeah. people moving these goods, not that great. No, it's good. Maybe it'll help moving stuff out of warehouses, though, if people need immediate stocks of stuff and they can't just take them typically from yeah. the port. So hopefully there's some at least uh, elastic or, or bullwhip effect. But yeah, that. as we've been talking, so, so much goes into the supply chain. And yes, you said there's human element to the mm -hmm. coronavirus, but we need to also think about the financial yeah. impact and... Like we just had a couple different things there. So this is ironic. For years, Facebook lobbied against governments imposing regulations. Now Mark Zuckerberg says the social media platform needs regulations to win user trust. Mm. This is Chad? <laughs> uh, big sure. deal or little deal? Sure. Uh, I thought this was an interesting deal. I guess I think it might be a big deal. He uh, apparently... He was uh, making this pitch at the EU, and so there's no coincidence there that he they lead the way with like regulations globally. Sometimes too, they're willing to make those regulations. I I don't know why he wouldn't have made uh, a similar case in the United States. But what apparently is happening is that Facebook and some other giant media platforms they're stagnating in North America and Canada, where they're uh, that's where their bread and butter is. And they're, they're seeing like, Hmm, maybe they're, they're This is a business decision, right? Maybe not a, a moral or ethical thing, but they're just like, okay, uh, maybe we will take a little bit of a hit, but what if 
everybody gets regulated in in a similar way and maybe it is necessary and maybe users begin to trust us and data more so i think it's it's interesting it's finally nice to see a little bit of a change in zuckerberg's uh rhetoric it's what convenient. It's yeah. convenient for him. I mean, when you have the money, when you're a big company, regulation helps you more than it helps the little guy oh, yeah. because the, because they can't afford a lot of these regulations and the hurdles they're going to have to go through. And it's going to put out some point. emerging businesses that are trying to catch up to the Facebooks of the world uh, because they don't have the uh, the cash to burn to get those kind of things in place. So, and, I mean, they kind of also have to do it from a public perception. But if you looked at their financials, they're doing, you know, they lost all the young people from Facebook and it was replaced by, you know, um, by their, their, their parents and whomever uh, and grandparents. I don't, e- I don't even know how to phrase that anymore because you can't like say age, right? You can't say okay, age. You a can't, generation. You can't say generation. <laughs> Didn't, someone got in trouble for saying, okay, boomer. You can't even yeah. say that anymore. So, but a lot of people, but they, Facebook doesn't lose because they own Instagram. Yeah. So where all the, all the kids went. They get the money and they made a ton of money off of Instagram. I think it's almost more profitable than Facebook now. So, I mean, yeah, it's convenient for him to want regulation, but it benefits them, too. That's yeah. why it's convenient. Well, this is You're so cynical. <laughs> I mean, it does. Well, yeah. They, who knows? We'll continue to watch that one. According to the Chattanooga Times Free Press, Pilgrim's Ugh. Pride poultry plants <laughs> in downtown Chattanooga were fined nearly seven grand in penalties and fees last month alone for three violations that happened over the past year and a half. Involving odor problems. Yeah, and you can <laughs> smell a little deal. It's gross. You can or a smelly deal. You can smell that thing uh, when it's warm out here. Yeah. It really just sort of carries. And you smell it, it all the way over here. Yeah, you can't what? smell I it. Don't. I don't. That's like I... that. There's this episode of Sim- The Simpsons where Maggie goes, "Your town stinks," but you probably don't know because you live here. Oh, oh, yeah. It uh, isn't. No, I w- we Maybe would smell it when it. we were next door to it, uh. and then it was a big deal. Uh. Yeah. Would you say one time you, somebody thought it was snowing, but it was bird feathers? It's not now. It's when it's hot. Stop. It's when it's like it's when it's hot. Like in August, you can smell yeah. it. Like and especially in yeah. the morning, it like hangs in the air if there's not enough wind. I am surprised that they were able to build up so much around these plants because it, yeah. stories I've covered before, no one wants to live by these things, but now they're charging these outrageous amounts yeah. for these condos and these apartments and these townhomes. Yeah. Right over there. And I'm like, that, who is who is the crazy person who wants to live by the stench? Well, for a mm. while, I thought maybe it would be a good investment because it would keep keep uh, rents maybe a but little lower. Doesn't. But it doesn't seem to have done that. It's crazy. And I thought it, it seems like inevitable that this plant will be. But it, they've been talking about this for years and it's still there. Yeah. Oh, like moving in. Yes. getting it out of town. It's a weird place to be a especially with everything that has gone up around it. I mean, yeah. if property gets too expensive, they're going to have to. To move it. I mean, they're, the, they're the guy taking... in the article was like, well, we can't just have like hoity-toity high-end renters moving our chicken factory now. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey. it's been there since the 1950s. This is our chicken kill factory. I mean, it's, and, it's like yeah. a kill. It's like literally called it's a kill sad factory. It's when too. you yeah. see like the trucks going in. And nearby, there's a deboning factory. That's fun. So fun. Oh. Guys. Okay. Uh, right. So little deal because no, nothing's happened. Yeah, nothing will no. happen. Yeah. It's seven thousand dollars. That's probably nothing for them. So. It's not that. I mean, Chattanooga doesn't always stink. I don't want to give that impression out there. Just <laughs> once in a while, this plant, it it does. It's not. It's a weird smell, yeah, right? It, is. it smells it's, like ammonia really, and chicken yeah, death. When it's really hot, it's yeah, yeah it's going to carry. <laughs> Shaka <laughs> Khan's rendition of the national anthem at the NBA All Star Game in Chicago over Woo. the weekend has many talking in 
They're not talking for good reasons, Dooner. Big deal oh, or little it's, deal? Oh, chat. Oh, I, uh, I don't I know what deal it is. It was a pretty awful performance. Bless her heart. She was yeah. really, she could not hit that high note, but then she really tried. <laughs> uh, she had her own arrangement too. Yeah, it was a very like staccato, like pausing, and then you know just really belting oh, into the, it. It was very you long. Know, I have to admit, I didn't hear the Fergie one, so I don't have anything to See, c- compare it to. The Fergie one was bad mm. because the players they cut away to the players. Well, the players were laughing. Oh, they were corpsing. They were just like, they're cracking. They up. were literally like laughing. I didn't well, see that. Now she should one. feel a little better. I don't know. This will give her a run for the money as to the. The worst, perhaps, of all time. That it was, it was rough. So, but uh, maybe uh, I guess little deal. This NBA All Star Game, it has a, uh, it has some lineage now of bad, uh, of bad star spangled yes, banners. Exactly. Fergie had hers there. Like you mentioned, people were corpsing during it. They were trying to hold it in. They made yeah. it about a minute into the song, and then she just kind of did her own. Like when Fergie's bad, she's bad. Yeah. Like when she just goes off the rails, like it just Fergalicious, keeps. Yeah. It's yeah. It was. Yeah. It, it was one of the worst renditions until Chaka Khan came yeah. around. And then she was, I think hers was worse <laughs> because it was about a minute longer. Cause she really extended it. It went so long that during before she even finished singing the brave people just started walking on the court. They were just like, let's we're let's done. Let's yeah. go. She was, it was like, she was really okay here. I'm going to hit that high note in a minute. Now here I go. I'm yeah. take my time. And then they say it's a tough song. When it's done well, it's it's amazing. It's beautiful. Like Whitney yeah. Houston, Houston had the yeah, yeah, that great. I like that guy that the Bears have who just is like, and the dons. You know, he just yeah. sounds yeah. like you want to go to war yeah. for that guy. That's <laughs> a great one. The Atlanta Braves guy, that um, opera singer. Yeah. That he, he does a great job. The, the Bruins, uh, Rencourt, he was he did an amazing one. So, I mean, there's some good versions. Yeah, when they're good, they're great. Let's hear, can you we'll hit, a, hit a note on it? No, it's a hard song to oh. sing. A lot, a lot of people, they've talked about changing it to like America Beautiful and those kind of things. But, I mean, people can sing. And people forget the words. They get nervous. Kelly Clarkson did fine. Then, yeah. 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 What's coming up on Freightways TV? <laughs> well, we got a lot. Well, if you have not noticed, if you're watching right now on FreightWaves.com, you're obviously seeing us on yeah. there. That's something that just started last week. So that is huge. You can not only read your favorite articles, but you also could watch your favorite shows wow. live from mm. 9 until 4.30 Monday through Friday on FreightWaves.com, which is very cool. You guys actually, before I forget, have a question for uh, Wednesday's show. Someone asked it on this show. They have a sales-related oh. question. Yes. So I'm telling them, save your question for Wednesday for Put That Coffee Down. Tomorrow, great quarter, guys, at 2. Wait, Wednesday. what was the question? Uh... Cold calling, in, right? No, he, but it's something. He's been in sales. He loves uh, the information. He's been in sales for about four months now. Um, something about leads, I want to say. I can't remember. Oh, this one. Yeah, that one. And I'm commenting back to tell him to call in on Wednesday. So he can have oh, okay. Don't oh, answer Dylan yet. Bradley. Yeah. He says uh, about question. four months into logistics podcast helped me a lot. Any good advice for coming up with new leads when your pipeline yeah. is starting to feel stagnant? Yeah. Put that coffee down. That's, There's already two yeah. episodes up on, on uh, YouTube. You can watch them or subscribe to Put That Coffee Down, your favorite podcast player or uh, Freight you get all your Freightways podcasts there. This one, that one. There's so many good ones. Yeah. You probably just want to subscribe to Freightcast. And that's a, that question's a good tease I right there. I was responding, yeah. and then I heard my name for Big Deal, Little Deal. So I didn't hit oh, send. So yes. I will hit send with the phone oh, number because you can cool. do call-in shows. And- yeah, that's right. The yeah, first little- episode is the Leads Are Week, so check yeah. it out. You so, can yeah. just call Timothy Dooner at... 
No, Chad. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We do have a we have a real number. number. I I control the mute button over here. (laughs) (laughs) He could also, yeah, if he wants to answer or not. All right. Well, um, great job to everybody. Is this our applause button? Oh no. you know yeah. Hey. Yeah. So uh, we uh, we have follow ups, recaps, where you can read the articles, you can r- watch the videos. Uh, if you can't catch it in real time, yeah. so uh, a- after every every broadcast, so check out that. So yeah. What else? What so, uh, as I was, sorry, great quarter guys tomorrow at <laughs> oh, 2 sorry. p.m. Yeah, that's fine. I got a little off on a tangent, then I took mm-hmm. us all over on a crazy ride. So, 2 o'clock tomorrow, we have great quarter guys with Kevin Hill and Andrew Cox. Right. Mm-hmm. And then Wednesday, put that coffee down. You, Kevin Hill, do you have a special guest this week? Yeah, and uh, uh, Jason Eckert. Where's Jason from? Um, From Chattanooga. Oh, local guy, yes. Cool, local. Well, he, so, he'll be in-house with you guys. That's what I love about the show is the yeah. fact we got a lot of great logistics companies throughout the area. So a lot of people wanted to come on and I'm sure we'll see some more familiar faces. Do you have no. a new insiders this week or did we play all the great? No, no we, we, we have uh, Andrew Leto on there for oh, a guy who started yes. Global Trans. Yes. Um, wow. Yes. It's okay, going to be a fantastic so two one. o'clock yeah, on Thursday, two, two o'clock on Thursday and it'll be out on podcast players. And then well. what the truck on Friday. We got a lot going on. So a, a lot of good stuff. And you, uh, Michael Vincent was in his freight forecasting show is. Yeah has a beautiful brand new show open you'll see yeah. it's very cool darren is working on it right now so darren's in the graphic design department and cool got a lot going on one day my shows will get one of those yes you're, <laughs> you're next on the list all right i think you guys deserve it all right well you can follow all her right. at emily zinc that's s-z-i-n-k you can follow him at chad prevost you can follow me at timothy Tuner. thank you if you turned in live to tune into this right. show we call what the truck Day. It looks like a lot of you are watching this. I think yeah. a lot of people are at work. Is this one a lot of people get? My kids got it all. Yeah, a lot of kids. Yeah, there's the two. It's a, I'll show National Kindness Day. Is it really? Yeah. Why don't they put them together so you go, don't say go, mean things about the president? Go or do something? something nice for somebody. Like what? What would something nice you yeah, could do right now? A random act of kindness. Like what? Pay, pay for somebody's uh, parking Starbucks. meter. Oh, like oh, start yeah. with the person in front of you and then. You get, have you ever done that? Uh, yeah, d- no, I didn't oh, think so. Parking. But I'm look. I'm thinking of a kindness thing to do. Okay, well, yeah. maybe you can execute it by next year. <laughs> oh.